Good morning, church. Again, I am um, so, so very glad to, uh, to be able to take part of, of this season here, uh, to, to be part of this Advent series, and um, I can't express to you how awesome it's been to serve here and how great it's been uh, just in these short few weeks to, to be a part of, of such a wonderful um, body of believers. And so where we pick up this morning uh, is, is after where Pastor Tom had us last week. Uh, we're again focusing on John the Baptist and another encounter that we see, uh, that we have with him. And last week, John, Pastor Tom was talking about where we see John the Baptist, we looked at his message, which was repent for the kingdom of heaven is here, and, and that's still a, a, very evident, a very evident piece of uh, what we'll be talking about today, but we see John the Baptist preparing the way, we see him prophesied about, we see that John the Baptist is the herald or the messenger before the Christ. And, and where we're at now in the chapter of, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. In chapter 10, Jesus is teaching and, and preparing his disciples to go out and to preach and teach and to go and do uh, what he's called them to do. And the message that John the Baptist brought is the same message that Jesus is giving to repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And he ends the chapter 10 talking about be prepared for persecution, uh, be pre- prepared for people to come after you, be prepared for what comes next. And at the end of, of chapter 10 and into the, the beginning of chapter 11, Jesus goes back into Galilee to so where Jesus is going to start uh, preparing on his own, preparing the way uh, all the way leading up to the cross. And so where we see this encounter uh, from John the Baptist's disciples talking to Jesus, they ask him the question. Two of them come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, are you, are you the Messiah? Are, are you it? Are, is, this, is this really what's What's going on? And so what we, what we may not know is we see in, in, as evidence in Matthew uh, chapter 4, uh, we see, as Jesus had said, or as, as Matthew writes here, he says, Now when we heard that John had been uh, arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. That's in Matthew chapter 4. So the context here that we see is where John the Baptist sends two of his disciples to go ask Jesus a question because John the Baptist is in prison. Why John the Baptist is in prison is this. Uh, John the Baptist was, was preaching and teaching and doing his thing, and uh, the king of that area, the sub-king of Galilee, where he's at, had, this king had, had, he was a wicked king, and what had happened was, this king had seen his brother's wife, he liked her better, he liked her more, and so he divorced his wife, he, he, he marries his brother's wife, John the Baptist calls him out for that, the king did not appreciate that very much, and so John the Baptist gets thrown in prison because he had called out the king's sin. And so John the Baptist is sitting in prison, he's by himself, he, he's, he's in prison for doing the right thing, for calling out sin, for, for preaching that same message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here, and he gets thrown in prison. And so he sends his disciples to say, he sends his disciples to Jesus to say this, to say, Jesus, what's going on? Why, why, is, why, why, why is it like this? Why am I in prison? Are, are, you the, are you the Messiah, or should we look for somebody else? Is this, is this how this is really supposed to go, or are we supposed to be waiting for somebody else? John had been prophesied about. He'd been heralded as Messiah's messenger. An angel had predicted his birth to his parents, and he's baptized. Uh, he, he baptizes Jesus, and as Jesus explains in, in Matthew eleven verses nine through, or Matthew eleven verses nine through eleven, he, he talks about. He explains how 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 important John the Baptist is. He talks about what did you see a prophet? Yes, more than a prophet. He says this is my messenger because he, he quotes prophecy from Isaiah. He says this is my messenger uh, who is here who will prepare the way for you. And then Jesus goes on to say, truly, among all the people who have been born, there is none greater than John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist is a big deal, and yet why? And John the Baptist knows that. He knows these things, but he, he, he can't get past in his head. Why, is he, why am I in prison? Why is this the way that it's worked out? And so John the Baptist is sitting there, and he's like, if Jesus is the Messiah, if I'm the herald, or, why am I in prison? Why, is that, why, is that the, why are these the circumstances? A similar situation um, happens to another very important prophet, actually, and it's no coincidence, and Pastor Tom pointed this out this morning, so I thought that it was absolutely relevant that, um, that, I talk, that we talk about this, that John the Baptist in Malachi and other places is recognized as uh, almost a, a second coming or, or the messenger has been referenced as Elijah. The messenger that would come for Jesus would be referenced as Elijah. It happens all throughout the Old Testament, Isaiah and in Malachi. And another situation where uh, a prophet of God has been chased after, is fearing for his life because of calling out sin, because of doing the right thing. In 1 Kings chapter 19, this is what that says. It says, Ahab told Jezebel that all, Elijah, all that Elijah had done, he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may, be, so may the gods do more to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. There's, two, there's a lot of similarities, or two major ones I want to make sure that we look at. Two major similarities between these two prophets, these two individuals. They're both in turmoil because of being a messenger of God, and they're both having some serious question marks about why things have turned out the way that they have. Very similar situations. We see into Elijah's mind a little bit when he gets, when, he's in the, when, this, message, when, this, when this message comes to him that, that all the prophets of God have been murdered, that they've been massacred by Jezebel. All these, these awful things have happened. Elijah's a prophet. He knows what comes next for him. He knows that they're going to come after him. And so he, he comes into this, he, he runs away, he, he runs for his life, and he comes and says in verse 4 of chapter 19 there, first thing he says, God just end it. God just, God just end it. This is, this is too much, this is too scary, I don't want to deal with this, God just take my life now, just end it. I, I don't want to do this anymore, I can't take this anymore. And so today's Advent theme is joy. And we see, and we see the story of John the Baptist in prison, we hear the story about this guy who wants to die because of how bad his situation is. We hear what happened this, we've talked about what's happened this morning in church. Where's the joy this morning? Where's the joy this morning? Jesus is good, isn't he? Because we're going to see joy here in just a second. But again, John the Baptist's situation does not sound like a joyful situation. And can I just give you a preview of what happens next to John the Baptist? It doesn't get any better for him. It gets, it gets, I mean, it gets worse, a whole lot worse. He gets his head cut off and served on a platter to the king. It doesn't get any better for him. His situation is not one that we can say, oh, I found joy in that. I find joy in sitting in prison by myself for doing the right thing, for calling out sin and for preaching the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Elijah Where's the joy in that? 
All the prophets of God have been murdered. I'm the only one left. They're going to come after me. I'm running away. God, kill me now. I can't handle this. Where's the joy? In this season, while I know it's supposed to be a joyful season, can be completely miserable for other people. Life may be completely different this Christmas than it was last year for somebody, maybe because of death or brokenness or divorce or heartache, loneliness, doubt, or situations that we talk about in church where somebody's worried about money or, or, or I don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. I don't know where my job's going to be next week. And we have all these questions, all these things, all these massive question marks in my life, in our lives. So my question is, where's our joy this morning? And this isn't piggybacking of what, over what Pastor Tom talked about this morning. This was planned two weeks ago. Isn't God good? Where's our joy this morning? Where's the joy in this, in this story? And essentially, John the Baptist is in a, is a, in a similar mindset. John the Baptist had enough faith when he was preparing the way and telling the people to repent. In the story we saw last week, well, he had enough faith then. He has, he has enough faith when, when he's calling out the Pharisees and the Sadducees and saying, you, you brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes. When he baptizes the Messiah, he has faith then. We see no recorded doubts then, but when things go bad for John the Baptist, what does he do? He sends his messengers and says, what's going on? Why is this the way that it is? He doubts. When things look bad for John the Baptist, what does he do? He doubts. He was prophesied about, an angel had predicted his birth, the cousin of the Messiah, the herald of the Messiah. He baptized the Messiah, but when he loses sight of the reason for his service, he doubts. And maybe that's us this morning. Man, th- man, and maybe things have been going great for you. I don't know. Maybe money is great. Your social life has been great. You're healthy. And man, we're all about God and his blessings then. We're all about God's providence when things are going good. But when we don't know what happens next week, we don't know what tomorrow holds, where are we at? And we don't know what happens tomorrow. We don't know how we're going to pay a bill. We don't know how we're going to do this or do that. Where's our joy then? What are we fixated on then? When we're broke and rejected and alone and sick and unsure of how you'll make it through the next day, where's our joy? Well, like I said, Jesus is good. And he answers this question in verses 4 through 6. He says, and Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. Tell them that the blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus centers his response around prophetic verses in Isaiah. John the Baptist knows these, these verses. When he talks about the, the lepers seeing and, and the blind receiving their sight, or lepers being cleansed and the blind receiving their sight, and, and, and people being raised from the dead, poor people having the gospel preached to them, those are prophetic verses from Isaiah. Those are prophecies that, were, that Isaiah was given to talk about the Messiah. John the Baptist knows these things. John the Baptist knows what the prophecies about the Messiah were. That's why Jesus gives these to him as a response, as in this is a reminder. Essentially, what Jesus is turning around and saying, he says, okay, you go tell your disciples this. This is what I'm doing, so you go back and tell John the Baptist, and you can let him decide whether I'm the Messiah or not. Because what he's done gives evidence he is the Messiah. And this is the best part. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. To take offense to something... We, get, we may get a little mad, may get a little hurt, get a little upset, get a little angry, feel the need to post something on Facebook or whatever social media is your favorite. When I take offense to something, 
So the opposite of taking offense would be to find joy in something. So essentially Jesus is saying, blessed is the one who finds joy in me. Church, that's the best news that we can have, is no matter what your circumstance is, blessed is the one who finds joy in Jesus. So this season, I don't know what you came here for. I don't know if this is your first time here. You're 101st time here. It's like my 12th time here. I have no, I didn't count. But if you're, you're 1,000 first time here, just, just please hear the words of your Savior this morning that blessed is the one who finds joy in him. If you came here weighed down with the past weeks or, or, or if you came here weighed down with what took place this morning or if you came here lonely or depressed or broken or if you came here and all in your life is perfect, please hear the words that Jesus is saying that joy is found in Jesus. Jesus is saying to John the Baptist that he has to be open to God's unfolding plan even when it doesn't meet his expectations. You know why? Because joy is found in Jesus, not your circumstances. Joy is found in Jesus, not what you're going through. Not how much I have, not how much I don't have, not who's going to sign the checks this week, not what dollar amounts on the check this week. Joy is found in Jesus. In church, if we find that, if we hold close to that, if we cling to that, what else is there to worry about? If we claim to be followers of Jesus, then we must do exactly that. One of my favorite things in like elementary school, in like third grade or fourth grade or whatever, I loved, I loved, I loved to be the line leader. And maybe, maybe that nobody else can identify with that. Maybe teachers in here can, can say, okay, I know that kid. I, knew, I can picture Matt. I remember like, I love being the, at the first of the line, telling the rest of the kids to shh, like telling them back here, you know, I got my finger, like finger on my mouth or hand on your lip, finger on your hip or whatever, whatever your little word saying is or, or, or whatever. I love to turn around and tell all the other kids to shut up and be quiet because I'm the line leader and it's, I'm, I'm opening the doors and I'm locking stuff. Like it's the, it was the greatest day or week or however the rotations went. I love to be the line leader. You're going to be the first to use the bathroom and make sure all the other kids don't make a mess in the bathroom. You just think you're the coolest kid in third grade. And so using that analogy, using that principle, if we're going to follow Jesus like the rest of those third graders followed me in third grade, if we're going to follow Jesus, I don't get to step up in front of the line if Jesus is, my, if Jesus is leading us. We don't get to step up and say, Jesus, I don't like the way that this is going. Jesus, I don't, I, I don't, I feel like we should maybe turn this a different way. I feel like we should maybe change this up, mix this up a little bit. This is a little boring. Or God, I, I, this is a little bit too uncomfortable. Let's, let's change how we do this. We don't get to do that. We're not God. He is. And if we get to a point as a church or as individuals, as believers, that we're equal or that what I say is what I want to do, you're doing it wrong. God is not your God. You are. If I'm following Jesus, I don't get to step up from behind him and say, hey, Jesus, I don't know if I like the way that we were headed. And his response to me, just as it was to John the Baptist, is, John the Baptist, can't you see that I am and I will and I have, I'll make everything right. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. It all, it, church, it all works out for the believers in the end. So what do we have to worry about today? John MacArthur says this in terms of dealing with doubt. He says, if you doubt your salvation, that doesn't mean that you lose it. Jesus is faithful and he can't deny himself. 
and he has affirmed that you are his child and he will hold you. And know that you can have the confidence and you can go to the Father with your doubt and he will give you the answer you need. That's the best part about being a believer. Is knowing there's a Father who has all the answers and you knowing that you have none of them. And you can go to him and say, God, I don't have a clue. I have no idea what comes next. In a week or two, when we have Christmas, and that person that was there last year is not there this year, or that family that was, was together or whatever last year is not together so much this year, or we had a great Christmas last year because we were blessed and God blessed us, or, we were, or whatever, we had all the money or, or whatever, that doesn't necessarily mean that we had God blessings or not, but we had, we had all the Christmas we could want, had all the food and things that we could want, and this year we're struggling. We all doubt. We all ask those questions. We're going to be in a time now, or maybe later, we're going to be in a place where John, the, where, where John the Baptist is at, where it is of doubt. Church, I can't, I can't express how important it is to have the mindset of, yeah, we don't know how things are going to work out. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks. In our area, we don't know what happens in the church. It, it, all, it, all, could, it all could, you know, go away tomorrow with something crazy. We, have, we don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't, I don't know if, I mean, who knows what happens when we leave this place? God does. We don't. But what we do know, we know who Jesus is. Amen. What we do know is we know that there is an empty grave. What we do know is that we are redeemed by the blood shed on the cross. The only way that we could have been reconciled to God, all that started in a manger and ended on a, and, it died, and he died on a cross and it ends with him coming back to grab his bride. So church, maybe this season is really stressful for, for us as individuals. Maybe it's stressful as a church as we talked about this morning. But those are circumstantial things. Church, as a believer, I don't want to look for happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness lasts for a minute or two. I don't want to find happiness this season, or every season. I don't, I don't want happiness. Church, and maybe you don't know it, you don't want happiness. You want joy. You want joy. Joy True, life-giving, life-sustaining joy is not found in what you unwrap in a week or two. It's not going to be found in how, what, that, what, what, what dollar amount is on your check next week or tomorrow whenever you get paid. It's not where happiness or joy is found. Joy is found in Jesus. Please hear the words of your Savior. Please hear God's word this morning. If you get nothing else, please hear that your circumstances may be bad. Your circumstances may be rough. Your circumstances may be great, and that's awesome. Who cares? Jesus is great in the good, the bad, the question marks, the awful, the worst things, the best things, the best times. Jesus is always good. Jesus is always on the throne. So that's where my joy can be found, and that's my heart, that's my prayer for myself, for our church this morning, is that church, please this season, every season, let your joy be found in your Savior, not your circumstances.
Not what you have to go through. Not what you get to go through. However you word things, please let your heart be fixed upon the author and the perfecter of your faith, upon the Savior who died a death that you could not repay. The Savior who rose three days later so that we can have an intimacy and relationship with him. Joy is found in the Savior. Again, not that you get everything you want this Christmas, not that all your life is made perfect and easy, but to realize that your biggest need is your need for a Savior, and he is willing and waiting to be there for you. And that in that relationship and in intimacy, we find our joy this season and every season. That we find joy in who Jesus is. As our, band, as our worship band comes. This was not going to be something that was long. There, was not a whole, there, well, there wasn't a whole lot to, to go into. We see John the Baptist again, who is the messenger of the Messiah the heralder of the Messiah, and even the one who had spent time with Jesus was his cousin, had baptized the Savior. He had doubts. When things got bad for him, his eyes fixated on his circumstance and what was around him rather than who's in heaven. And church, I don't want us to have that kind of mindset this morning. I want us to, I want us to be a church that the community, that the outside looks at and says, you know what, no matter the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, whatever, North Glencoe finds joy in Jesus. Those individuals that go to that church, those people, there's something special about them. And it's nothing about us, it's that when, whenever we, whatever we go through, whatever we have, I know, I know who my Savior is. Church, you can know who your Savior is. And you can find joy in Him. We can find joy in the fact that Jesus is who He says He is today. He's who He says He was then. He'll be who He is tomorrow. He'll be who He is on your worst day, on your best day. Jesus it's Jesus. And that's the best part about the gospel is that it never changes. When we, when we feel distant from God, we've walked away. He hasn't. When we feel like there's a separation, we don't know what happens, we don't know where God went, we don't know whatever, I, I challenge you to, to, to look up. He didn't move, you did. So church, where are you at? Where's your joy at today? You can say, you know, Matt, again, it's all, it's, all, it's all fine. You know, we'll find another job. We'll find something else. We'll do something else. And that's fine. Those things may make you happy for a little bit. You may find happiness in things for a little bit. But all earthly things break down. All man-made things are fleeting. Jesus the everlasting, the almighty. Please, church, in the question marks of your life, in the, in the exclamation points in your life, please cling to the cross and find joy in your Savior. Please find joy this season and every season in who Jesus is, not your circumstances. <laughs>